Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I have my dear friend, Heidi St. John, back on the show this week. If you didn't have a chance to listen to her last week, wow, she so succinctly summed up how women in the church need to use their voices right now and come alongside men. You know, uh, one of the, my passions right now has been going back to Genesis, where it talks about men and women together are called to rule and reign. And yet, as you know, we've had this history of feminism series, right, where we looked at women were going to rule and reign without the men. And then we have this issue in the church that has been the men are going to rule and reign without the women, with subjugating the women, but the truth is that God created us to rule and reign side by side. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Heidi. I'm excited to talk to you about this exact subject. Hey, my friend, I'm glad to be back. So Heidi, in the last several years, I know something that has really hit both of our hearts is this sort of feminization of boys uh, and the masculinization of girls. I was just talking to a, a girlfriend the other day uh, who was on the show and she was talking about going into H&M, you know, as a young woman going into the stores and seeing that the the clothes for the boys are very feminized. The clothes for the girls are very masculinized. She was talking about um, the incredible sexual abuse going on in teen culture. Yeah. Uh, boys raping boys um, is become ex extremely common. Um, she was telling me in youth culture in the public schools. What do you believe is our answer as the church? I think that we've all taken, we can all see the problem. Yeah. Right? We can all see the problem very, very clearly. What is our answer to that in the church? How do you help a girl, do you think? embrace her femininity as a gift from God at a moment when so many are rejecting it? Well, I think it we we don't have a proper understanding of scripture and we don't have a right view of how God views men and women differently. And as you know, a misunderstanding of scripture will always lead to a misapplication of scripture. And so we even see this in the church, right? Where we have not taught our our girls the beautiful role that God has designed for them, that men and women are meant to complement each other, that we've been given unique strengths and we have unique weaknesses. And uh, you and I have talked about this before, Jennifer. I mean, how how absolutely grateful we are for our men. I am married to a, to a, a very masculine man who fixes everything. I love it. I was just telling the other day, I mean, I can't remember what we broke. Oh, my girl, Melissa. My girl, I love that girl. Um, my assistant who's worked for me for over 10 years just moved here. And Jay and I were helping him move in the other day and there was a, uh, the washer and dryer had broken in the move and Jay was down there taking the whole thing apart, just fixing it. And I was like, man, I told him, I said, I'm so thankful that you have these skills and that you're strong enough to lug all this stuff up and down the stairs. We are very uniquely made in the image of God, different from each other. And I think what we really see happening in the culture right now, not only is it a lack of understanding of the unique roles of male and female, but it also, it um, we have allowed the lies of the enemy to permeate the culture because we no longer teach such a thing as absolute truth. And so we've got to get back to teaching truth. Jesus taught the truth with grace. We can actually speak the truth in love, but we should never sacrifice truth on the altar of a misguided mercy. And I think that's been happening a lot too. And it's even happening inside the church. So we want to teach our daughters and our sons from a very young age that God made them for a unique purpose as 
boys and girls. And we shouldn't be shaming the girl who wants to play with Lincoln Logs. I am so thankful, Jennifer, that I grew up in the 70s when I was out, you know, playing Lincoln Logs with my older brother and, you know, building mud forts and playing cowboys and Indians and riding around with all the boys down the street on my banana bike. All of those things I did in the 70s. And no one said to me, oh, man, Heidi, you like to play uh, Legos. Maybe you're a boy. Have you ever thought about being a boy? How confusing that would have been to me because I was a tomboy, but there came a, a moment when I realized, oh, I'm not a boy. And I have this very unique gift that God's given me in my femininity. And I began to embrace that. And so we need to get back to that. I think talking to our, our children when they're very young about the beautiful differences between boys and girls. And I will remember very clearly, as I'm sure you do, when uh, Bruce Jenner was on the cover of Vogue magazine and the headline read, you know, call me Caitlin. Well, I was in a grocery store in Portland, Oregon, when that book came out with my five-year-old daughter. And she was looking at that picture. You know, I'm the mom who like flips the magazines over going out. I'm like, oh, no, that's not for children. Oh, not that one either, you know? And she looked at the picture and then she looked at me and she looked at the picture and she looked at me and she was like, mama, mama. Finally, I looked down. I said, what is it, honey? And she said, why is that man dressed like a princess? Like she knew instinctively this is wrong. And I felt like the Lord said, address it now. Don't let a lie take root in the heart of your daughter. And so I just got down eye level with her and I said, sweetheart, did God make you a boy or a girl? Well, she said, he made me a girl. I said, you know, some people are confused and she's scratching her head, kind of looking at this picture. And she goes, well, mama, someone should tell him. Like it was so simple to her that someone would just explain to him, oh, you're, you're confused. There was no judgment in her voice. There was no, you know, oh, wow. It, it was just very simple. Like, oh, he didn't understand. Well, someone should tell him. Right. So we inoculate. Yeah. And we, and we inoculate our children against lies by telling them truth. We don't inoculate them against loving people. We inoculate them against believing and propagating lies. And so we teach them what the real thing looks like so that when they spot a counterfeit, they'll know it. That is such a great point. And as you were talking, I was thinking, man, what an incredible thing it would be if there was just a wave of teaching in the church right now about what is a man, what is a woman, what is healthy masculinity, what is unhealthy masculinity, what is positive femininity and and unhealthy uh, femininity. I mean, the book of Proverbs alone shows us exactly (laughs) what can be negative when the fem, like toxic femininity, like the book of Proverbs tells you exactly what toxic femininity is, which is to use your voice and use your body and use your sexuality to seduce. It's so clear, right? And it also shows us a picture of healthy femininity. What if this, Heidi, this is me dreaming here, but what if the church also, there was a wave of teaching in the church where we actually talked about the role of men and women and toxic masculinity, which is these men in the church that abuse their wives and no one is talking about that issue from the pulpit, Because what's happening is these kids are seeing stuff. Okay. Church kids seeing this stuff at home. Look, I don't want to be like dad. Yep. That's a man. Yep. I don't, I don't want, and that's a woman. She's weak. She's being abused. She's being belittled. She has no voice in the church. If she goes and tells the pastor that I'm being abused, he's going to tell her to submit. 
So there's spiritual abuse going on. Why would I want to be like her? I'll, I'll just go somewhere else. And so we've got young people leaving the church, wanting to change their gender. Oh man, I could just, I, I just have dreams for maybe the church could write this, but it would take a lot of humility, wouldn't it? Well, it would take humility and it would take a desire to see it for what it is. June Hunt said that statistically one in three women will be abused either physically or mentally or sexually in their lifetime. One in three. And that is a shocking statistic and it's absolutely happening. It still is in the church. Uh, There are movements in the church that uh, are Christian, you know, people that that say that they're Christians, but then they do not rightly divide the word. They don't understand God's heart for women. They don't understand God's heart for men or for marriage, which should be a beautiful thing. It wasn't modeled for me. And growing up, I remember just thinking, I don't want this. If the, if this is marriage, I don't want this. If this is what it means to have children, no way, I don't want this. It's the part of the reason why I wrote Becoming Mom Strong mm-hmm. was, to, was to say to women, look, if God can take Heidi St. John, this broken 19-year-old girl. I mean, by the time my husband married me, I was about as broken as a girl could be. Broken emotionally, broken spiritually, broken physically. I was broken in every way. And God, in his mercy, uh, through the washing of the of water of the water of the word and through the love of my husband has restored my right understanding of my role as a woman and also been able to open my heart to receive the love of my husband and the love of God, the one who made me. And I think the church has an opportunity to bring hope and healing to speak into this, but we're afraid to speak into it. I think largely because, oh my goodness, if we open that Pandora's box, what's going to happen? You know, what if you find out that you've got abuse happening in your church? What if you find out that one of your elders that everybody adores is actually beating his wife when nobody's watching? You know, we have to be willing to have these hard conversations. And a lot of times we don't want to have them for fear of what those repercussions will be. And so it takes courage. It takes a, a desire to love the love the body of Christ the way that God would have us to teach the whole counsel of God. And so that was why I had June Hunt on the show. And I don't often talk about the abuse I suffered at the hands of my dad. I feel like, um, first of all, it's not, it isn't my story is a part of my story. I'm not defined by how I grew up or the things that happened to me when I was a young girl. I am defined by the grace of God in my life. But I think it's an important aspect of, uh, of what I think Christians often, especially Christian women silently suffer because they do not know what to do. They don't know who to go to. They don't know where to turn. The church should be the first place that they are able to turn and feel good about going to, not the last, which means that pastors need to be willing on the regular to say, hey, we're going to talk about this today. And I'm going to ask you guys to really think about your own marriages and your own families. My mother Uh, I think the first time she was really willing to say, oh boy, what's happening to me is wrong was because she heard Dr. Dobson, who has become a friend of mine over the years, she heard him address the issue of domestic violence with such clarity that she was like, oh, it was like almost like someone just snapped her out of this, you know, this this world she was living in, whereby excuse, uh, we made excuses for domestic violence because, oh, hey, my husband's having a bad day at work or he needed to have a beer with his dinner and he didn't get it or whatever it was. And we make excuses. And Dr. Dobson said, no, there's no excuse for abuse. There's no excuse for a man to hit a woman. There's no excuse for that at all. And, you know, obviously we don't want to discount the fact that women can be abusive as well. I mean, you've probably seen it. I know I have. So this is certainly isn't just men that can be abusive, but we know that when it comes to domestic violence, 
probably upwards of 90% of the abusers are men, it needs to be addressed from the pulpits. You know, I think it really starts with repentance. Uh, my husband and I recently had an opportunity to repent to each other uh, for some things that, you know, just some attitudes really of our heart, uh, just pride, you know, just pride in our heart towards each other. And mm. I can't tell you how much refreshing, how, like how much refreshment has yeah. come in our personal relationship by just humbling ourselves and, 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 and writing our wrongs and owning it. I mean, we all have sinned. We've all fall short. We all miss the mark. And what I wish for the church right now is maybe somebody would just start, start a wave that the Holy spirit obviously is the one that does it Just start a wave of repentance. Maybe, maybe church leaders could begin admitting that they have made people in the LGBTQ community feel like their sin is worse than the pastor's sin, right? I mean, that's the situation of a woman caught in adultery with Jesus. I mean, she was the one in the sexual sin. It was the religious leaders that were throwing stones at her. You know, Jesus loved her. And we see over and over again, these examples of Christ loving people who are broken in their sexuality. We could see a repentance of, from the church regarding the role of women. We, we, we got it wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got it wrong. Psalm 68, 11 says great would be the host of women. Great would be the army of women who would bring the good news. Jesus called women to bring the good news. So we got it wrong. Okay. We, we, we've muzzled women's voices in the church. Let's have a time of repentance. Think about what that would do. A repentance over the domestic violence and sexual abuse in churches where pastors just said, I want to give people an opportunity to repent from this and to Mm -hmm. say, God doesn't just hate divorce. God hates pride and arrogance. God hates violence against women. But these seem to be subjects that everybody is scared of, Heidi. And to me, I don't understand what the Christian life really is if we're not applying it to what is going on in the culture right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've spoken to this many times and especially, you know, I live in a very liberal part of the country, as you well know. And I went to Multnomah School of the Bible back in the late 80s. And there was a, there was a, a student there who struggle with his sexuality. He struggled with homosexuality. And I I will tell you, and I've spoken on this many times, I feel like we sinned against him by the way that that sin was sort of, uh, he was sort of castigated, you know, for the way that he was struggling with sin. But the guy who was, you know, the, the chairman of the junior class or whatever, who's totally sexually sinning with his girlfriend, boy, they greenlighted that thing, right? And so we we elevated the sin of another human being above the sins of all the others. But Jesus said that it's all sin that separates us from God. And there isn't one that's worse than another. There are sins that that bring in a more dire consequences. Certainly there's much more dire consequence for uh, injuring someone than there would be for stealing the cookie out of the cookie jar, right? And so we need to be honest about, uh, and I tell my kids this all the time, think before you make a decision because your decision is going to result in a consequence, going to result in an action. But we need, we did a terrible job, certainly in the late 80s and into the 90s. And I think even happening today, but probably to a lesser degree, I think the the pendulum has really swung, at least in my neck of the woods, from uh, from being over judgmental toward the sin of homosexuality, just going, you know, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. Well, he does care. 
And this, uh, the sin of homosexuality, one of the, one of the only sins that the Bible says you actually reap the consequence of that in your own body. There is a warning to be issued to say, Hey, be careful. Oh man, you know, God's heart for you is so much bigger than this sin that's controlling what you do with your body. But for the church to say one sin is worse than the other misunderstands what sin is at all, right? It's, so it's all of our sin that separates us from God. It's the little things. It's the lust in our hearts. It's the decision not to do what is right when we know what it is. That's what the apostle Paul said to him, who knows what is right and does not do it. You're sinning. And so we we need to have honest conversations. And I think, and what we've seen over the years is the church historically will make these pendulum swings that you can see this very clearly in the heavy-handed parenting styles that were being propagated in the early 90s through programs like Growing Kids God's Way. We saw um, Michael W. Pearl's disastrous book to train up a child where they were literally teaching parents to beat their kids and there was no grace in it. And so we saw, but, but what were they doing? They were reacting to the 70s and the 60s when parents decided, I'm not going to you know, parent my kidney more. Love is love, free love. We're burning our bras, doing all the things. The church goes, oh, wrong, wrong, wrong. And then goes right past the center where the correction point is and moves over past the center to now we've overcorrected. And this is a ditch, right? It's a ditch on this side and a ditch on that side. Legalism is a ditch. Liberty is a ditch. And the devil doesn't care what ditch he knocks you into so long as you're into a ditch. So when we when we overcorrect, and that's what we've done now in the church, we've overcorrected. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go uh, in Vancouver, Washington, where I live, for every one Bible-believing church that's willing to tell the truth about homosexuality, there are probably five other churches that have rainbow flags in front of their churches and the sign says, all are welcome. Well, yes, all are welcome, but we, we're not going to accept sin as if it wasn't sin, right? We all have our own sin. So that, again, now you've got this overcorrection. And I, I fear that what's going to happen is we're going to start swinging back this direction and we're going to miss the heart of God right there in the center. This tension between uh, grace and truth, to be able to walk it out in balance, to love someone and still tell them the truth, to be willing to own my own sin first before I point out the sin of somebody else. That's the tension. And nobody wants to live here because it's hard. So much easier to swing over to this ditch or swing over into that ditch. And I think we're going to see that happen again. And so my heart is to see the church be educated now into before the pendulum really starts to swing back. Cause I think it's starting to come back already. And you're already seeing the overcorrection. You and I talked about it last week on your show. You're already seeing the overcorrection in the church when it comes to women. Now they're like, Oh man, we've gone too far, you know, overcorrect, overcorrect, overcorrect. Okay. Women can't teach even other women. Well, now you're going to go over here again. And so uh, we've, we've got to be able to do what Jesus did, which was to speak the truth uh, in love. And that is a difficult thing. It requires a dependence on the Holy Spirit and a willingness to open our eyes to our own sin and apply the Bible correctly. Wow, that is so, so powerful. You know, I recently had an interaction with a counselor where she was talking to me about uh, the middle. Yep. Kind of what you're talking about. She's like, you know, Jen, you don't have to be either, uh, you know, a big runway model or famous person in ministry or down here in the depths, you know, wanting to kill yourself. Right. You can actually walk in the middle. Yeah. And that was very, uh, uh, eye opening for me 
Because I think I, I lived a lot of times in those extremes and understanding that Jesus who walked those dusty roads, you know, I can just picture, picture his sandals, watch walking those dusty roads. And you've got the woman caught in adultery, you know, down here in the dust, dragged to the middle and by the super religious leaders. And we have this polarization and then there's Jesus right there in the middle. Yep. Yeah. And what does he do? He turns to the religious people and he basically says, own your sin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really believe that if we would own our sin, that we would repent from our abuse of women, that we would actually be able to model that healthy femininity. And it wasn't, it's not just homosexuality. I, I want to challenge you, make sure I understand what you said about that one verse is that, you know, sexual sin is something that we carry in our body. It's not just homosexual sin, right? Oh, it's all sexual sin. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all sexual sin. And the Bible says, this is the one, the one thing that we are instructed to run from. He says, run from it. You know, are you, are you tempted uh, by, are you tempted by adultery? Run from it. I don't know very many. I have not, I have yet to meet actually uh, very many people who would say, I don't struggle with sexual sin on some level, whether it's ho- hem- uh, heterosexual sin or homosexual sin. You know, I've met uh, men who say, boy, I just don't know, Heidi, I'm not, I don't, that monogamy thing, I just don't think I can do it. Well, then you're sinning, you know, or to the, or to the woman who says, well, it's just, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's just reading. It's just, you know, it's the pornography that we read in 50 shades of gray that we, that we say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, except for we are called to run from that garbage. It infects our hearts. And so, yes, it's not just homosexual sin. And what I was trying to say is the church elevated homosexuality above all the other sexual sins. And when I was in Bible college, here's this guy, he's sleeping with his girlfriend, but who got the boot? The guy who was struggling with homosexuality. And that's wrong. It was, it was a, it was an elevating of one sin above another. And it's all the, the Bible says it all is what separates us from God. And the beauty is that the gospel reunites all of us to God. And so, you know, my heart right now is I think, you know, we need to get back to the gospel, um, not in the sense of being afraid to address, address these issues, but but being unafraid to be honest about our own frailty and our own sin. The yeah. truth is, is that we've had people in the church, kids in the church, you name it. I mean, pornography has become so unbelievably rampant. That yeah. is equal to any other sexual sin. Absolutely. That, Right. As, as, as you just said, and I love that. I love the middle. I love the place where we don't have to either subjugate women and we don't have to elevate women above men, but we can understand the middle is to me, the middle is the garden. We're back to the garden. (laughs) We're back to the garden again, where Jesus meets Mary in the garden. The whole thing starts in Genesis where men and women were designed to rule and reign and subdue the earth together. And it's going to take the unity of both of us. Yeah. Right. It's going to take women's not using their voices to cut down their men. And it's going to take men not using their strength to cut down their women and us repenting to be able to model healthy masculinity and femininity for the next generation. So they look at us and they go, like, like the opposite of what you experienced. Wow. I, I want to be like, I want that. 
Yeah. That and that's life-giving. That is the life-giving power of the gospel of Jesus, which rightly applied brings life and freedom and hope and healing. And I'm always telling listeners, listen, if you've got, if you know Jesus, you have what the whole world's looking for. You have had inside of you the hope of heaven. And we need it now more than we've ever needed it. And I just hate to see the church getting hijacked right now and sidetracked, trying to tell women how they can't teach theology to other women, um, arguing over head coverings and all this other. I mean, like you got people over here who are literally going to hell and you want to argue about whether or not women can teach other women. It grieves me. I think it is um, it is a, a, a very, very tone deaf you know, not only just a wrong understanding and a misapplication of scripture, but absolutely tone deaf, because what that's going to do, I fear, is that it will bring us back over into this sort of patriarchal thing, which will then which will then have a hyper response. And now you're back to feminism. And this is where we go wrong. And we've got to guard against it. How do we guard against it? We ask the Lord, Father, open my eyes, show me the sin in my own life so that I can rightly see what's going on in your word. Help me to be open to the fact that I may understand it incorrectly, right? Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to say, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe, maybe my understanding of that was wrong. So Lord, open my eyes, help me study to show myself an approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who can rightly divide your word. That is what is needed now. For uh, Christians to be able to understand, to open the Bible, to understand it, to apply it correctly with the grace and truth that Jesus applied it with. And I think that's where we're going to see real change. And I'm, I mean, I'm encouraged because there are wonderful ministries that are actually doing that. And uh, I'm praying that the Lord elevates those voices, that they are that they are given greater platform and greater influence. And with those greater platforms and with that greater influence comes, wait for it, greater temptation greater struggle, greater attack of the enemy. If people want to go to the spiritual front lines, you better stink and gird up for it because that's where the battle, that's where the fighting is the fiercest. And that's why I think you see so many pastors and so many women in ministry and leadership lose their marriages, lose their families. The one thing that that they got into it for, they end up losing it because we forget, man, this is the front lines. So you got to have people praying for you. You got to be committed to walking with the Lord in the quiet places of your heart when no one else is watching. Quit for the love. Quit Instagramming your quiet time for everybody else to see and have it be between you and the Lord. It bothers me that so many Christian women are using their platforms to promote how godly they are. It's like, really, you know, I mean, to me, my quiet time with the Lord is sacred. My, I would never get on my Instagram and say, I just had amazing sex with my husband because that was between me and my husband. <laughs> and when I am, when I am talking with the Lord, if the purpose for me to do that is to exploit that, that um, 15 minutes or that half an hour that I had with him where he answered a cry of my heart or I was able to pour out my heart and repent of my own sin. If the purpose was to get a beautifully lit, Instagram worthy post, then I have misunderstood what my relationship with the Lord is for in the first place. And I think in that regard too, boy, we got some repenting to do. I love that because the truth is, if you're really, really coming before the Lord on a daily basis, you are saying, as Jesus said, forgive me of my sin. Yeah. That's the first thing. <laughs> you're not posting it. No, no. <laughs> and and yet I see it. Pretty. I just we we just we live in this you know social media saturated culture where we always got to post our a reel and now your quiet time becomes a reel and when Tyndale came to me and said hey would you write a 365 day devotional i was like absolutely i love 365 day devotionals and i'm in the bible every day 
Turns out, you know what I learned writing that book? I'm not in the Bible every day. There are days I can go for a week without opening the Bible because of whatever happened in my life, because I don't feel good, because I'm discouraged, whatever it is. And I'm telling you what, it was a challenge for me. And it really, I was like, Lord, I didn't realize how, what a struggle this was. You know, so many days and it's my phone, you know, weighs three ounces, but my Bible weighs 10,000 pounds and I can't seem to pick it up, but it's so easy to get on Instagram or so easy to check my email. And I can just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll pretty soon. You know, I've wasted 45 minutes on my phone when I could have been getting a drink of water from the living water, that well that never runs dry. Mm-hmm. And so boy, we, we got a lot to just, I think that self that introspection, that willingness to look into our own lives and go, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for using this in a way that doesn't honor you. It's like Matt Redmond's song, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. We got to get back to that in our families. We got to get back to that with regard to our quiet time with the Lord, with how we use social media, all of it. it when it becomes about the gospel again, when it becomes about uh, when it becomes about how Jesus saved me from my sin, how he took Heidi up out of the miry clay and put my feet on a rock. That's when I think we're going to see real change inside the Christian community. And I'm I'm never going to give up on it because until the Lord takes me home, uh, I'm going to believe that that change is possible, not just for my generation, but for my children. And now for my grandchildren, Jennifer, my oldest grandchild is about to turn 10. What? <laughs> Oh my gosh, Heidi. What is happening? I'm getting old. What is happening? I'm like, what, you, you know, a few years ago, I turned 50 and I was just like, what is happening? Somehow I turned into the tightest two woman, like the older women, women instructing the younger woman. No one looks at me anymore and goes, oh, there's Heidi St. John, the younger woman. No, no. Somehow I fell into the older woman category. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. It's so <laughs> awesome. It's so awesome. But you know, the Titus 2 command, it's such a beautiful thing, you know, is is it's we have we have this unbelievable gift, I think, right now to model healthy femininity for our daughters and our granddaughters. And to take a stand, we're going to take a stand about things like women's bathrooms and what companies we support and what we we're going to be at the school boards and we're going to allow, but all all of that. But at the same time, we're going to we're also going to bring our voices into the church and 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 have our voices be heard um, because the church needs us. We are the helper. <laughs> we are the helper uh, and we want to help humanity. We want to help these girls. And I just want you guys who've been listening to you today. I'm sure you're already followed her just by, by listening to Heidi talk. But Heidi, where can my listeners uh, follow you and connect with you? Because you have such an incredible ministry. And I love all of the mentoring you do for moms. Um, I can be found. Well, I'm, I'm ever since my run for Congress, for sure, I can be found lit up like a Christmas tree. So if you Google my name, have fun, don't believe everything you read. Uh, but my women's ministry is called faith that speaks. And the question I like to ask women is if your faith found its voice, what would God have you say? If your faith found its feet, where would God take you? What would that look like? I think our marriages would look different. I think our homes would look different. Our communities will look different. And ultimately our world would look different if we allowed the voice of the Lord to be the voice we listen to. So Faith That Speaks is where my women's Bible study can be found. Um, I've written a whole bunch of books, brand new ones coming out from Tyndale, Momstrong 365, Everyday Truths for Everyday Moms. And of course, you can find me on social media and at HeidiStJohn.com. Awesome. Heidi, before uh, we end, I want to ask you this question. You know, Matt Walsh wrote this book, uh, um, What is a Woman? And the purpose of the I am a woman podcast is to answer that question. If I said to you, what is a woman? What would you say? 
I would say a woman is uh, made in the image of God. He created us male and female for a unique purpose, uniquely different. Matt Walsh would say an adult human female, and biologically that's true. But I think women have a unique role in the culture. We're unique spiritually as well. We're unique in the gifts and abilities that God has given us. And our primary function, according to the word of God, is to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And we can do that in so many areas as women. I'm glad that I'm a woman. I'm glad we have a unique opportunity. We we are the givers of life. We are the ones who bear children. God has given us a unique and precious role. And for me, that includes using every sphere of influence that God has given me to proclaim the gospel and set the captives free. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love, I love listening to you. And I think I'm going to have to jump back into your Bible study so I can listen to you more. I'm like, I need Heidi in my ear more often. Thank you so much for your stand in the culture, uh, for your example, uh, for your, your humility today. Um, and for your desire, Lord, uh, for the Lord to bring us back to the middle of his design for men and women. I have loved having you on the show. Thanks so much, Heidi. You're welcome. I am a woman and my name means life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Our email address is support at youaremore.org. That's support at the letter U, the letter R, M-O-R-E.org. And follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect with you guys over there. My handle is at Jennifer Strickland underscore author. I am so happy to have you a part of the show. Thanks so much for listening. You have a blessed day.